The following message is from King's Church 1066, based in Hastings, Bexhill and the surrounding area. For more information, head to our website, kings1066.org. So good to uh, see a little bit of an update, isn't it, of what God, um, uh, what the team is doing out there and how God is uh, uh, blessing the church in India. Uh, my name is Paul. I'm one of the uh, pastors. I'm one of the elders here at King's and uh, it's my privilege to be preaching today. Um, I'm going to be finishing off our preach series. Um, we've been looking at the whole subject of the kingdom of God and today I'm looking at kingdom nations. Um, if I'm honest, I've been looking forward to preaching this for the last um, month or so. And uh, I, I don't know, I'm just full of expectation that God is going to do something, God is going to do something uh, within us as a people. Um, as we look at the Word of God, um, as I preach, I believe God has got something He wants to birth within us as a community. You up for that? Cool. Why don't you turn to the person next to you and pray that God will bless you as the Word of God is preached, as the Bible is preached, that you have an open heart and that the Holy Spirit would move powerfully. Go for it. Over to you for 30 seconds. Lord, we thank you for your word. Uh, we thank you for the Bible. We thank you, Lord, that it is powerful, that it is sharper than a double-edged sword. Lord, it, it can really get right to the very heart of what is going on with us. Lord, and I ask you, Lord, please would you help me, uh, enable me as I preach today to preach with boldness and authority and wisdom. And I ask, Lord God, that our hearts would be open and responsive to what you, Holy Spirit, want to do. Come, Holy Spirit, we pray. Come, Holy Spirit, we pray. We invite you. We invite you to come and work. Come work fresh in our hearts, we pray right now. We ask that in Jesus' name. Amen. God is passionate for people. God is passionate for the peoples, for the nations. He is passionate for every tribe, tongue, language and nation. He's not just passionate about individuals, but groups of people, different ethnicities. He loves people. And we as a church, as a community, as we gaze upon his glory, it says in the Bible that we are being transformed from one degree of glory to the next. We are becoming more and more and more like Jesus as we gaze upon him. Isn't that, isn't that what happens? Ah, oh, guys, I'm enthusiastic about this stuff. So I'm, I'm, I'm expectant for a little bit of enthusiasm back. You up for a bit of enthusiasm? Excellent, excellent. We won't, well, no, anyway, so God is passionate for people and He wants us to be passionate for people as well. The, the nations, the, the, the tribes. I think that's reflected in us as a church. 
just have a look around at all the different nations that are reflected here. No, no, so look around. Different nations, different languages. I think, I think this is a reflection of something that is on God's heart, which I think is absolutely brilliant. But I think it's also about us as a church going to be a blessing to the nations. So just as we've seen something of that on that video, I think that's in God's heart for us as well. So, so the nations, we are a family in this church of different nations, but we're also to be a blessing as we go to the nations. We find God's plan for all peoples at the beginning of the Bible, in the middle of the Bible, and at the end of the Bible. So in the beginning, at the beginning of the Bible, this is what it says to Abraham. I will surely bless you and make your descendants as numerous as stars in the sky and as sand on the seashore. Your descendants will take possession of cities of their enemies and through your offspring, all I'll give it another go. <laughs> All of the earth will be blessed because you have obeyed me. So right at the beginning to an Israelite, Abraham, right there at the beginning of the Bible in Genesis, God is promising that through the promises given to him, all nations of the earth will be blessed. Let's fast forward right to the end of the Bible and we'll see, what do we see when we get to the end of the Bible in Revelation chapter 5, verses 9 and 10? And they sang a new song saying, you are worthy to take the scroll and open its seals because you were slain. This is talking about Jesus. And with your blood, you have purchased for God persons from every, 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 and every, you have made them to be a kingdom of priests to serve our God and they will reign on the earth. So we, we get a picture of what it's going to be like when we go to be like it with him and we will find all people groups, not, not just individuals, but people groups worshipping and glorifying the lamb that was slain before the foundation of the earth. I don't quite know what it's going to be like. I don't know, do you reckon it's all going to be different languages and stuff being sung out, incredible choirs glorifying the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, and we will be caught up with it. And the songs that will be sung will not be predominantly in English, just so you know that. I reckon there's going to be an awful lot more Chinese Christians in heaven than there's going to be English Christians, don't you? Millions upon millions. And what about the Indian Christians? Christians from India singing in Hindi and various other languages around the throne. We are caught up in God's glorious purposes. And it is wonderful. Let's turn to the middle of the Bible. As you can see, I'm not that creative. Start, end. Let's go to the middle. Let's look at Psalm 67. It's only a short psalm. But, ah, oh, this is brilliant. It says this, May God be gracious to us and bless us and make his face shine on us so that your ways may be known on earth and your salvation among all. 
May the peoples praise you, God. May all the peoples praise you. May the nations be glad and sing for joy for you rule the peoples with equity and you guide the nations of the earth. May the peoples praise you, God. May all the peoples praise you. The land yields its harvest. God, our God, blesses us. May God bless us still so that all the ends of the earth will fear him. Today, we're going to look at this whole subject of kingdom nations. We're going to look at it under three headings. God's purpose for all peoples, God's strategy for all peoples, and God's plan for us. So God's purpose for all peoples. This is an incredible psalm. And the opening verse here is from Numbers 6, verses 24 to 26, where God promises to bless Israel. May God be gracious to us and bless us, make his face shine on us. That comes from, that comes from Numbers chapter 6. And look at how many times nations, peoples and earth are mentioned. So that your ways may be known on earth, that your salvation among the nations May the peoples praise you, God. May all the peoples praise you. May the nations be glad and sing for joy. For you rule peoples with equity and you guide the nations of the earth. May the peoples praise you. May all the peoples praise you so that the ends of the earth will fear him. This psalm is just full of the nations. Why? Did God's grace come to Israel? Why did God's grace come to Israel? So that it can stream out to the nations. Why did God's grace come to um, the nation of Israel? It's so that the nations may see it and worship the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Why has God's grace come to us as a community, the church? that it might stream out to the nations. This is God's plan. This is what we're part of. And the truth is, unless you are Jewish here today, we are the nations spoken about in that psalm. If God's purpose hadn't been to bless Israel to overflow to the nations, we would still be dead in our sins. But God has come, came to Israel, so his grace would overflow to the nations and we are caught up in his big purposes and plans. We see a God who welcomes sinners, his saving power among the nations. But what we find in this psalm as well is that mission isn't the central aim. Mission isn't the central aim. The reason we are here is not centrally for mission, for reaching out to the nations, it's for something else. If we could pop the next slide up. It's for God's glory. So that your ways may be known on earth. Israel says, God bless us. Why? So God, you will be glorified. May the peoples praise you. That's, what, that's the end goal. That's why we're here, is that more and more and more people will come to know the living God and give him the glory that is deserving of his name. May the peoples praise you. May they be glad and sing for joy. That basically means may they enjoy God. We, we are designed not, not to, um, out of um, duty, 
come before him. If, if you ever come to church out of duty, oh, oh, you're missing it. We gather to enjoy God. We gather to glorify him. God is most glorified by us when we most enjoy him. And, and the problem that I have and the problem that many of us will have here is that we, we find too much pleasure in lesser things than God. It says here that the peoples will praise God, that the nations will be glad and sing for joy. If maybe we can go on to the next slide, that'd be great. May the peoples praise you. May they praise you that the earth will fear him. Mission exists because worship doesn't. Worship is ultimate. Passion for God is all important. The pursuit of God's glory actually should be paramount in our lives. And the truth is, I've already said this, we most glorify God when we most delight in him. When you find pleasure in God, you are bringing him the most glory. So you should be a pleasure seeker. You should be a pleasure seeker and the ultimate pleasure you can find is in coming before God and glorifying him. This is what the gospel says. This is what the gospel says. John Piper says this, all history is moving towards one great goal, the white hot worship of God and his son, son among all the peoples of the earth. Let that, let that just settle in. My intention, my ambition this morning is to preach you into worship, that you will worship God. All of history is moving towards one great goal, the white hot worship of God and his son. That's, that's where we're heading, that God will be glorified. We're, we're, not, we're not just some small group meeting Hastings, and Bexhill, randomly going somewhere, we are a people that are caught up with God's great plan, seeing worshippers of every tribe, tongue, and people. That is what we're caught up with, both close to home here and far away. And the reason that I'm preaching early is so that we can get onto the main agenda with thing or anyone else. Now, I was at a football match at Wembley Stadium when Man City played Sheffield United in the FA Cup semi-final. And when the Sheffield United supporters began to sing, Wembley shuddered. And they were singing at 3-0 down. And, it, and it, you could feel it vibrating As my friend Simon said earlier, everyone worships. The question is, is who are you worshipping? Everyone worships. Does our worship reflect the manifold goodness and glory of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords? Does our worship reflect the one who gave up his life for our sin that we can be brought near to God. So often, so often my worship is put to shame compared to Sheffield United supporters who are 3-0 down against Man City, who are able to make Wembley Stadium shudder under their roar. 
And there will be a day when every nation, tribe, and tongue will stand before the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And the very ground that we are standing on will shudder as we lift our voices up to him. The lamb who was slain before the foundation of the world. This is what we're caught up with. This is what what we're caught up with. This is what we are part of. But, But how? How will this happen? How can the nations know about this God if no one tells them? Let's turn to the a second passage, God's strategy for all peoples. Romans 10, 12 through to 15. This is what the Apostle Paul says in answer to the question, how can God be glorified in all the nations? For there is no difference between Jew and Gentile. The same Lord is Lord um, of all and richly blesses all who call on him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. How then can they call on one they have not believed in? And how can they believe in one in whom they have not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? And how can anyone preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. This passage picks up the whole theme of how will Jesus be glorified in the nations? First thing, and I want to highlight this and I make no apology for doing so. This is so important that we are clear in our minds about this. The work of Christ, his death and resurrection, is essential for people to be drawn near to God. And people who do not confess Jesus as Lord cannot be brought near to God. There is no other way under heaven by which men or women can be saved other than Jesus Christ. The Bible is very, very clear about that. It doesn't say that Jesus is one of many ways. He says he is the way, he is the truth and the life. And we find in the Bible that the problem of sin is universal. It cuts people off from God and the only solution is Jesus. There is no salvation apart from Christ, what he has won for us in his death on the cross and his resurrection. John Piper says this. He says, hell is a dreadful reality. To speak of it lightly proves we do not grasp its horror. I know of no one who has overstated the terrors of hell, we can scarcely surpass the horrid images that Jesus used. We are meant to shudder. How can people be saved if they do not know? The Apostle Paul then follows this pending tragedy with this solution. If someone is to be saved from their sin, they need to call out to Jesus. But if they're to call out to Jesus, they need to believe the gospel. If they're to believe the gospel, they need to hear it first. And if they're to hear it, they need someone to preach it to them. 
And if someone's to preach it to them, they need to be sent. Can you see the logic in what Paul is saying there? Let's just reverse the order. We must send so that the gospel is preached for people to hear so that some can believe that they might call out to Jesus and be saved. God's ultimate purpose is that all peoples come to know Jesus and bring glory to his name. Revelation 5, 9 and 10 that we've looked at previously, and they sang a new song saying, you are worthy to take the scroll and open its seals because you were slain. And with your blood, you purchased for God persons from every tribe and language and people and nation. How will the nations come to know about Jesus and his saving work? Through us. We are a sent people. Jesus says this in Matthew 28. All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. We, we have a mandate. We are a sent people to those that are near at home. But actually, we also have a responsibility for those who are further away. This is, this is like a missionary um, instruction. We're a sent people in order that we can preach, in order that those around us will hear, in order that some will believe and call out for the saving mercy of Jesus Christ. This is why we're still here. This is, this is the business end of it for us as Christians. This isn't the reserve of a few extroverts. I'm introverted, so I don't need to do this. This is all of God's people are caught up in the Great Commission. We are those called to extend the kingdom of God. This works close to home and this works far away. So what's God's plan for us? I believe there's an outworking of this for every local church, which, as I use this phrase deliberately, both close to home and far away. Close to home, with the world being smaller and travel being easier, we as a church, and I, I, we as a church, we are massively enriched by having different nations and peoples as part of this family. We are enriched. Different backgrounds, languages, cultures, bringing diversity to this local church. Can I say, if you're from a different nation, you're, you're not just welcome to be with us. You're essential for our health. I, I really believe that. 
There's things that you carry that we need. We do. And I want you to hear that. You are very, very welcome, but, but you are essential. You, you, you help us to reflect more of God's big plan. We need you. We need your abilities. We need your spiritual gifts. We need your outlook. Did you, did you notice on the video how the guys in India worship? Now, you imagine, you know me, I'm sort of like middle-aged white Englishman. You imagine how uncomfortable I feel when I go to India and all of that is going on. It does me the world of good. But we, we need... We need all the exuberance of worship that's reflected in the nations. It's not that what we do is wrong, it's just one dimension. Heaven is going to be a lively place. But what's our responsibility far away? And I'm going to file through these quite quickly. It's interesting, when the Apostle Paul was going to visit the church in Rome, he wrote to them this. But now that there is no more place for me to work in these regions, and since I've been longing for many years to visit you, I plan to do so when I go to Spain. I hope to see you while passing through, that you will assist me on my journey there after I've enjoyed your company for a while. Paul expected the established church in Rome to help him go to unreached peoples. Yes, the church in Rome was to reach out to local neighbourhoods and the city of Rome itself. But they were also to play a part further afield. And in likewise, we have a mandate to play a part further afield in the nations as well. Every local church does. Now, there's four contexts in which we do this, and I am going to rattle through them. The first one is new ground. That's a family of churches that we are part of. It's led by Dave and Liz Holden. They, as a church, support us. They encourage us. They offer friendship advice. They provide leadership, leadership training and resources. When, when it comes to appointing elders in September, which is what we're going to be doing, they're going to be critical in that process. And as a family of churches, we are established in Germany, Belgium, Romania, Brazil, South Africa, England, Holland, Scotland and France. We're part of this family of churches that we are a little bit of, but we're part of reaching the nations through new ground. So that's one of the ways we get to see this mandate fulfilled of going to the nations. The second way, and if we can just mute this for a second, Dan.
Philippines. 15 months ago, we sent Alid and Lou and the family to partner with the Wicks. Um, so Alid and Lou are on the right. Alwood and Rosie are on the left in planting a church. And at, over the last sort of 15 months, Alid and Lou are continuing to settle there in the Philippines. It's, it's quite a big culture shock, quite a big change for them as a family unit. Um, they are language learning. They are growing as team with the Wicks. Alan and Lou are grounded on the gospel. They understand church. They are passionate for Jesus. They are throwing themselves into the call of God in this season in the Philippines. We are in partnership with them. Prayer, finance, teams. I, I, can't, I can't make any difference in Davao on my own, but through Alan and Lou, I can. Does that make sense? And as a church, we're in the same position. We can reach our locality, but I, I can't do anything in, in, in Mumbai, as it were. I can't do anything in Davao, but through these guys, we, we can. And then the last context that I just want to share with is Ghana. This is probably uh, the, the least developed friendship in one regard at this point in time. But I believe Sam and Claire have been sent to us with a purpose. Now, one of it's just to bless us as a church, and they do bless us, don't they? Massively bless us. But it's also, I think, it, it creates another opportunity for us to glorify God in the nations through them and through their, um, their, their friends. The church in Ho in Ghana is led by Michael and Mabel on the screen there. They are brilliant, brilliant man and woman of God as they look to plant churches right across Ghana. Back in February, we had Compassion Charity with us. And on the back of that, I think 50, about 50 children were sponsored through your generosity. Again, early days, but we have this opportunity to see God glorified in the nations through our partnership with them. This isn't just something that is nice to do that maybe adds a slightly different flavour into us as a church. It is an important element of who we are and what we should be doing as, established, as an established church. It says this at the beginning of the psalm, may God be gracious to us and bless us and make his face shine on us. Why? So that your ways may be known on earth, your salvation among the nations. God's purpose has always been that God would be glorified in the nations. It's the reason we know God, that it can overflow. And God's strategy is that through his people, he will become known, famous and praised. But we must be active in this. So how do we make a difference in the nations? We pray. I know sometimes it's really hard to pray for situations where we don't know the people. But as we pray for the nations, we pray for God's glory to come. We can give financially. Some of you guys are supporting Alan and Lou. Some of you guys have supported one of the children in Ghana. Others of you have given to um, India through various different ways. That makes the world of difference. What we do with, with our money is incredibly important. But we can also go. 
whether it's short-term mission trips or, I don't know. Has God placed a nation on your heart? Is there somewhere you should be praying for, maybe daily, for God's blessing and breakthrough? Maybe, maybe God might even want you to move there at some point. I can remember as an 18-year-old, I was sat in a worship setting in India. I never even wanted to go to India. I wanted to go to South Africa. But I got turned down for the team to South Africa. So one of the, one of the elders said he'd take me to India instead. If I'm honest, at that point in time, I didn't like the curry. I really only like chips, if I'm honest. I didn't like the curry. I'm sat there in a worship setting. And one of the leaders turned round to me in the worship and we were singing a song about, I'll go anywhere where you send me. I'll do anything that you want me to do. You know, and you, you, know, you sing those songs out. You don't think much about it. Until one of the leaders who was sat on the front row turned round pointed at me and said, you're coming to India. 18-year-old, I didn't want to go. I had no intentions of coming back to India. I wanted to go to South Africa. Seven years later, I do a year team in India. And then 10 years after that, a relationship can, develops with the church in Mumbai. God has big plans. God has big purposes for us. Maybe even today, there'll be a moment where you are singing out, God, I'll do anything you want. And God will nail you in that moment and say, will you? Will you really? That's, that's what he did to me. We're going to move into a time of worship um, now, which I would love to be here for, but I've got to go and do this again in Bex Hill, which would be great. I mean, looking forward to that too, but I'd love to be with you. Because I think this is a great opportunity for us to offer up white hot worship to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. During the week, you will be distracted with many things. But for the next half hour, the only thing you need to think about is giving God your very best. Put your fears, put your anxieties, put your worries, put them under your feet. Lift your eyes up to the throne room of God where Jesus is sat there, the lamb slain before the foundation of the world. And let us, as a family together, peoples together, glorify the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Why don't we stand? Jesus, I thank you Lord, I'm so, so grateful that the gospel ever came to England. Lord, I thank you the reason it came is because at some point, centuries and centuries ago, there were men and women who realised that the gospel wasn't just for them, it was for the nations. And so they got in boats, they crossed the channel and they came and spoke to people about you. And because of that, we have the gospel. Lord Jesus, thank you so much that you died for our sins. Lord, I pray would you help us and enable us 
to offer up a little bit of white hot worship to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords because you are so, so worthy. I pray, Holy Spirit, would you speak to us about the nations? Would you settle things in our hearts even now we pray? We ask for that in your precious name, Lord Jesus. Amen. Why don't you just start to lift your own voice to God in worship? If you've got heavenly language, you might want to pray out in uh, tongues. You may want to pray out in English. You may want to pray out in your native tongue, the one you feel most comfortable with. You are worthy. Let's raise our voices. I know it could be a bit self-conscious. Start to speak something out. We love you, Lord God. We love you, Lord God. You are worthy of our praise. You are worthy of our worship. The land that was slain before the foundation of the world. Lord, we're standing here because of your blood spill. Jesus, we worship you. You are worthy. You are worthy, Lord God.